0: Good morning. It is good to see everyone here this morning. This morning, uh, the title of the lesson this morning, and Sean picked a couple of very appropriate songs for our, um, our, our sermon this morning. We didn't plan that out. Uh, but the, the title of the sermon this morning is The Heart of the Matter. If you would... Grab a Bible and turn to Matthew, the 6th chapter. We are going to take our text this morning from Matthew, the 6th chapter. Matthew, the 6th chapter, uh, starting in the 19th verse. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light." But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin." And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things." But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. To provide a bit of context, <clears throat> Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, discuss- he's been discussing motives in the kingdom. He talked about the why of our actions in in the previous section of the sermon and how those things are vitally important, how our motives for our actions are important. Jesus talked about acts of righteousness and how the Pharisees had allowed themselves to distort the reasons for why they were doing things. He talked about how the Pharisees sought the approval of men more than the approval of God. And as Jesus continues the Sermon on the Mount, He builds upon this thought... And he begins to get to the root of the matter. Why do you think that the Pharisees sought out the approval of man so much? Why do you think that their motives were so distorted? Was it because that they got off on the wrong track doctrinally or misunderstood the Scriptures a little bit? It was deeper than that. It was more serious than that. It was a matter of their heart. It was an issue of what was at their core. The Pharisees had a heart issue. It wasn't just that their actions were against God. Their hearts had turned against God. They were hypocrites, playing the part of a righteous man, but on the inside they were spiritually dead. And as Jesus moves into the second half of chapter 6, the text that we read this morning, he builds upon this idea, but he goes about it, he does it a little bit different. He goes about it in a little bit of a different way. He begins to talk about a couple of facets of life that will tell you about the condition of your heart. The heart doctor is in, and he's telling His patience, how we can diagnose if our heart is in a similar condition as the Pharisees. But before we get too far down the road, let's talk a little bit about your heart. Of course, everyone has a heart. Your heart is beating right now. It pumps about 100,000 times per day, moving blood continuously to the trillions and trillions of cells all throughout your body. You cannot live without a working heart. But Jesus is talking about something that is deeper than that, more important than that. He is talking about not your physical heart, but your spiritual heart. Well, Jeff, what is that? What is our heart, spiritually speaking? The heart is what you are, deep down in the secrecy of your thoughts and your feelings. That part of you that nobody knows But God, it is your spiritual core. Our heart is what controls our spiritual lives. It seeps into every aspect of our lives, every facet of our lives. All that we do is impacted by the condition of our heart. How we live, how we parent, how we interact with those around us, how we deal with our children and our spouses, how we serve and how we worship God, how we work, how we play, how we serve, the, all these things are impacted by the condition of our heart. And because the heart is so central to our spiritual lives, such the root of our relationship with God, it is utterly critical for Jesus to teach us about the condition of our hearts, what we are deep down in the private recesses of our lives. Those parts of us, that part of our lives that no one else, not our parents, not our friends, not even our spouses, fully know about. That deep core of our souls, Jesus is vitally concerned about. You see, Jesus didn't come into the world just because you had a few bad habits to change. Jesus didn't come into this world. God didn't send His Son because you had a few things that needed needed tweaking or, or needed, needed fixing a little bit. Not to fix your bad habits. He came into this world to change your heart. Some people think that Christianity means that you can repeat John 3.16 or Acts 2.38 or that you come to church one or two times a week it's more than that being a disciple of Christ is yielding your heart to Christ which leads us to yielding our life to God which leads us to the throne of heaven if I were to ask you how is your heart how is the condition of your heart what would you say and I'm sure most of us here this morning would say I have a good heart Jeff I'm a just person. I'm not a thief. I'm not an adulterer. I, I go to church, Jeff. I'm here this morning. I even put money in the collection plate a minute ago as we passed it. I give money, right? You know who said the exact same thing? Those Pharisees that Jesus had just been talking about in the Sermon on the Mount said the exact same thing. Sometimes we think that our physical heart is in great shape. We think that we're perfectly healthy people, right? Last night, we were having dinner with with Ian, and he was talking about a couple months ago when he had some issues, and he mentioned it last night, I think, during during his sermon during the meeting. He had a heart attack. He's 40 years old, and he had a heart attack. 95% blockage in one of his arteries, and he almost died because of it. We can think that we're perfectly healthy people, and strong, and then one day we have a heart attack and the doctor tells us that our hearts are in bad shape. Our arteries are filled with all kinds of things that are going to kill us. And we end up needing surgery, or a stent put in, or our heart shocked to, to get it back into rhythm. Our hearts can be in a, in a condition that might kill us. And we don't even realize it. In our spiritual lives... How do we diagnose the condition of our spiritual hearts? The thing is, is I, can't, I cannot tell you with 100% certainty the condition of your heart. I'm not sure that I can tell you with 100% certainty the condition of my own heart a lot of times. Much less someone else. Your parents don't completely know the condition of your heart. Your husband or your spouse, while they might know you better than anybody in the world 100%, they don't know every thought that happens in your mind. They don't know every thought of your heart. But God can. God knows exactly the condition of your heart. And I might look at you, and I might make some sort of judgment of what is in your heart. I might see you at church here this morning I might talk to you and hear about some of the things that are going on in your life and some of the good things you're doing in the, in the service to other people that you that you have going on in your life and, and I might talk to you about the scriptures and, and hear your knowledge on certain subjects and, and I think man they are they know a lot about the Bible they, they they're doing pretty good they must be a pretty righteous guy and I might see the good things that, that are going on and might think that you have it all Put together, But deep down inside, I don't know everything that's going on in your life, but God does. God looks on the inner man, like it talked about in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, and sees what is going on with your heart. But God doesn't just leave us guessing so that we can't understand the condition of our hearts he doesn 't just put us on earth and let us go and leave us with no way of knowing what 's going on in our lives. He has given us his word, and as Ian quoted and talked about uh, Friday night, how the word is a thought is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart, and we can look into the mirror of the scriptures and we can compare our lives to what we find in the Word of God, and we will see the condition of our hearts. And the physical manifestation of the Word and the will of God was Jesus Christ. That He came to this world to show us the condition of our hearts. And not just to diagnose the sicknesses of our hearts, but to show the cure for those sicknesses that we find in our hearts. And that's what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically in this section that we read here this morning, the text this morning. Jesus explained three different aspects that show us the condition of our hearts. Three different things that we can look at to tell us about the condition of our heart in our relationship with God. So I want for us to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at those things. First, Jesus points our attention to where we spend our resources. If you look back at the text this morning at Matthew the sixth chapter, verses nineteen through twenty-one, he warns us not to spend all of our resources on earthly things, where, where, where those types of things are destroyed or, or or corrupted or stolen. He encourages us to invest our resources on eternal things where corruption and decay won't destroy them. He says that where your treasure is, where you spend your resources, that is where your heart is. He says that if you look at where you spend your resources, it will give you an indication of the condition of your heart. And the usual application of this, and, and something that we, we hear sermons preached on from time to time, and, and Sean a couple of months ago gave us a, a lesson about this, is about where we are spending our, our resources, our money, our physical money. The idea of show me your checkbook, and I can tell you of how, what, what's important to you. And of course, there's a lot of truth to that. If you look at your bank statement, where are you spending your money? If you looked at a breakdown of the, the average American and where they spend their money, this was a study that was done that shows the average breakdown of, of the U.S. household uh, income. And if you'll notice, the fourth one down from the bottom on the right side, charitable contributions were about 3% of their income, and that would include... Donations to religious organizations like churches. And you might think, well, that's, that's average across the U.S. Well, that's probably pretty close to what we see in a lot of churches and in this church at times. The average American household spends somewhere around 3%. That's about the same amount that we spend on clothes and entertainment. So what does that say about our heart? Right now, it's February. We all know what happens at the first or second week of April, right? Taxes are due. So some of you might be doing your tax returns right now. I spent some time this weekend uh, of the joy of preparing my tax returns. Some of you might be doing the same thing. And one of those deductions that you might be taking is charitable contributions, You can look at your tax return right now and tell you a good indication of the condition of your heart. And not just where your charitable contributions, but as you're preparing your tax returns, think about those deductions that you're trying to take. Think about the things that you're claiming or not claiming. And whether or not you're being 100% truthful on your tax returns. That's a good indication of the condition of your heart. Think about those things as you do that. But it's more than just our money and where we spend our money that tells us about where we are spending our resources and where we are laying up our treasures. What about our time? Where are we spending the 24 hours a day that we've been given? In a study that was done by the U.S. Labor Department, it showed how the average American breaks down their time. If you look right here, uh, if you can see where that pointer is at, we spend, on average, about 19 minutes a day on religious activities. 19 minutes out of our 24 hours a day. Less than a third of one hour, on average, we spend on religious activities. Does that describe your life? Does that describe on a day-to-day basis how much time you spend in God's Word? If you'll notice and compare that 19 minutes to some of the other categories that you see on the screen, right there, 2 hours and 49 minutes is the average watching TV or YouTube or or watching videos and, and screens like that. Nearly three hours on those sorts of things versus 19 minutes on religious activities. Do you spend more time making sure that you get the things off of your Netflix list and binging shows on Netflix than you do studying the Word of God? The fact of the matter is, is you are going to spend your resources, you are going to spend your time, you're going to spend your money on what makes you happy. What you think is going to bring you the most pleasure. Augustine of Hippo once said, where your pleasure is, there is your treasure. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. Where your heart is, there is your happiness. Everybody is going to spend their resources on what they think they are going to get the most value out of. And if you think you're going to get the most value out of spending your money or your time or or the things of this world on the things of this world, then that's what you're going to do. And you might be sitting there thinking, Jeff, no, 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 no. My heart is with God. Jesus has my heart. I'm a Christian. I follow God. Well, let's look at where you spend your resources. Look at where you spend your time. Look at where you spend your money. Look at where you are storing your treasure. And that will tell you if your heart is really with God. And I didn't say that. I didn't come up with this. This isn't Jeff telling you his opinion that's what god said one of the greatest mistakes that we make is that we think that we are owners we own our homes we own our cars we own the money in our bank accounts we're the owners of our times of our time and our families and we get to decide what we're going to do with them they are ours we're americans we have accumulated all these things through our hard work, and our talent, and our skill, and we have all these things, and they're mine. And I have have all of these things, and I get to decide what I do with them. But in reality, we don't own any of those things. We simply have been given the opportunity to be caretakers, to be stewards of those things. And one day, you will give an account of your stewardship of the things that God has given to you? And did we spend all of God's money that He has blessed us with on fancy cars and big homes and stuff? Or did we give Him our first fruits? Do you think that God is going to be happy with the 19 minutes... About 1% of our time that we spend on Him. Do you think that God is going to be happy when He asks, Jeff, why weren't you at the worship service? Why weren't you at church? Why weren't you at the meeting Friday night or Saturday night? Why aren't you consistently here at the worship service? Do you think God will be happy when He asks us that and we say, well, God, I had homework. I had a test. I had baseball or basketball practice. God, I was tired. God had a TV show to watch. It was too far. Gas is expensive. So I don't want to come to church. It's too expensive for me to come to church, Lord. I need that money for other things in my life. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? The next illustration or checkpoint for the heart Jesus points out is verses 22 through 23. He gives the illustration of our eyes. He says that our eye is the lamp of the body. If you look back at those verses, he talks about how if our spiritual eyes are healthy and focusing on the right things, then our spiritual lives will be in good shape. Our hearts will be where they should be. But if our eyes are full of darkness, our spiritual lives will be full of darkness. On more than one occasion, as we've mentioned, Jesus confronted the Pharisees about the condition of their hearts. In Matthew, the 15th chapter, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask His disciples, They asked Jesus about his disciples, and he says, "Why why are they breaking our traditions?" And Ian talked about this or mentioned this the other night also. Jesus' disciples they had the gall of eating without going through the ceremonial washings that the the Pharisees had instituted, and Jesus rebukes them, not his disciples, but he rebukes the Pharisees and points out how they're violating the laws of God with their traditions. And then he said in Matthew the fifteenth chapter, in the eighth verse. The people draw nigh unto me with their their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He says, you hypocrites. You people honor me with your lips. You say that you are following me. You tell other people that you're following me, but your heart is far from me. He says you've turned your focus away from God And His will, and you're more concerned with your traditions. You're more concerned with your political and social position. You're more concerned with appearing righteous to men than to God. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. But what about us today? Where is your focus? Where are your spiritual eyes fixed? On things of light or on the darkness? Do we honor God with our lips but our hearts are far from me? Maybe it's something else. Today, we honor God with our social media pages. We honor God with our Twitter accounts or Instagram or whatever the cool social media platforms are today. I'm too old to be cool Nowadays, so I, I like I've talked about. I I use Facebook still, so I'm the old guy to my nieces. And Kinsey just nodded her head when I said I'm the old guy. But we use things like that, and we might post a, a cool Bible meme. We might make sure that everybody knows that we're going to to church, or we might post something to let people know. The, the the things that we're doing to serve other people. We make sure that people know that we're doing those things. But our hearts are far from God. Where is your spiritual focus? So many people today are looking for the wrong things in their lives. Like we mentioned a moment ago, we talked about how little time and resources Americans dedicate to God. And you might be thinking, well, Jeff, again, that's, that's the world. That's those people out there. But if you're honest with yourself, is it really that different for you? Think about your own life. Where is your focus in life? Where are your eyes fixed? The psalmist wrote in Psalms, the 10th chapter and the 4th verse, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Are we like that? Our, our, our thoughts, is our focus never on God. What do we focus on? As Christians, our focus, our spiritual gaze, should be somewhere else. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our spiritual eyes should be fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, on the light that was sent into the world, as it talked about in John, the first chapter. And if we will do that, our spiritual lives will be full of light. Our hearts, our core, will be full of light. The third thing that that Jesus forces us in the text to think about, to diagnose the condition of our hearts, is who we are following or who we are serving. Look back at the 24th verse that we read in the text. Jesus said that no man can serve two masters. You have to make a choice. We're all presented with a choice to serve God. Will you serve God or will you serve the things of this world? And despite which choice you make, whether consciously or subconsciously, you are going to love one and you're going to hate the other. And there's no middle ground. There's no other choice. You will choose God or you will choose the world. And that decision of who you are going to serve is a clear indication of the condition of your heart. The problem, though, is that many people today, and perhaps some of us here this morning, think that we can have it both ways. People think that you can separate your lives into little compartments. And they, you, we, people try to split their lives into their Christian life and the rest of their life. So they will be the Christian the, the couple hours a week that they're here at church, and they'll be regular me the rest of the week. They think that they can give part of their lives, part of their hearts to God, but then keep the rest of it for me. So... Some folks will spend a couple hours a week in a church building, and then everything else will be okay. Or, like we mentioned, we'll post something on the gram, on Instagram, and and we're good because we've let everybody know how religious we are and that we love God. Or we'll retweet something on Twitter so that everyone knows that we are a Christian. And then we can go on the rest of the week, the rest of our time, living the rest of our lives the way we want to. We go into our workplaces on Monday morning or we go out with our friends on Friday night or Saturday night and live just like the rest of the world. And we don't give God a second thought on Monday or Tuesday night. Why would I do that? Why do I need to do that, Jeff? Why do I need to worry about God on Monday or Tuesday? I gave God His portion on Sunday morning. I was here. I sat through Jeff's lesson I gave God His peace, now I can do what I want. I can serve God with that 2 or 3% of my time, the other 97% is for me. I get to keep that. But God said, and Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, no man can serve two masters. And really, what the choice comes down to is who am I going to make the master of my life? Who is going to be the Lord of my life? Is it going to be God or is it going to be myself? And unfortunately, many times we choose self instead of God. And we become like what Paul talked about in Romans, the first chapter, in the 25th verse, when he said, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. We make the choice to put ourselves as the Lord of our life. The created thing that we worship the most is ourselves. Instead of our service and kneeling down to God and worshiping God, the thing that we put on the throne of our lives all too often is ourselves. And what happens when we do that? What happens when our heart is... Is in a condition that we choose to serve someone or something other than God. If you look at Romans, the first chapter, and we won't take time to read that passage, that entire passage this morning, but if you look at Romans, the first chapter, verses 21 through 32, when we begin to worship the created thing, whether it's money or power or ourselves, whenever we put the created thing on the throne instead of God, Darkness begins to fill our lives. Things like envy and greed and lying and sexual immorality, gossip, slander, hatred—all these things—and it talks about this progression that happens in the lives that was happening in in the lives of these people in Romans, the first chapter. Those things begin to to consume us and, and take their place in our hearts. And look back on your own lives. Think back to those times in your lives where things really got off track. You might be going through one of those times right now. And when I do that, when I look back on the times of my life, and the times that I have gotten on the wrong track, and believe me, there have been plenty of them. It has, without fail, been those times When I have put something or someone else on the throne of my life instead of God. When I have chosen to follow someone or something else other than God. When I have let my heart drift away from God. When I have chosen myself and what I want more than God wants. And maybe that's you right now. And you feel that pain in your core, in your heart and you have a broken heart. Well, that's okay. That's good. It's good when we have realized the broken condition of our heart and that it needs to be fixed. That's why Jesus came to fix your broken heart. Thomas Watson once said, God loves a broken heart, but not a divided heart. Remember no man can serve two masters. You cannot be divided. You will love God with all your heart, or you will hate Him with your heart. What are you going to do? And it really comes down to the final thing that I want for us to notice from this section of the, the, this uh, text this morning. We've talked about three things that we can look at to get an indication of the condition of our hearts. The heart doctor... the 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 great spiritual cardiologist has given us three ways to diagnose the condition of our hearts. But what is the cure? What is the solution? He has told us how to to diagnose our hearts, but what do we need to do to fix the problem? At the conclusion of the, the text that we read this morning, or towards the end of it, Jesus said, don't be anxious. Don't worry about... This life and the things of this world. And he's not saying, don't ever think about, don't ever think about what you're going to eat or, or what you're going to wear. Those are necessities of life. And we have a responsibility to provide for the necessities of life for our family. So we need to spend time war, uh, dealing with those things. So he's not saying don't ever ever work because those things will be taken care of. God will take care of those things. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is don't put the pursuit of the things of this world as the master of your lives. Don't put this world on the throne of your life. What happens if we do? What happens if we become consumed with the things and the cares of this world, we become anxious. We get worried. And we're consumed with providing those physical things. You know, when we decide that we want to to buy all the, the cool things, all the fancy stuff in this life, we end up just wanting more. We want the, you know... I, and and Sean mentions this, he and I duck hunt a lot. And there used to be a day where Sean and I, we used to buy our duck hunting clothes at Academy, the the cheap stuff. And we started buying, as we got older, we started buying a little nicer stuff and nicer stuff because God has blessed us, right? But if that was the focus of our lives, you know, there's always going to be a cooler shotgun for me to buy. There's always going to be a better camouflage uh, suit for me to buy. There's always going to be better duck decoys for me to buy. There's always going to be cooler stuff for me to buy. And you know what? All that stuff that I've spent all that money on, it's eventually going to wear out. And it's eventually going to rot away. If that's the focus of my life, then I will never be happy. What happens when we eat a meal? We're going to go downstairs and we, we, we're going to eat a meal here in a minute. And if the focus of our life is things like that and all we're, consume, we're worried about is, is filling our bellies and, and consuming the things of this world. You know what's going to happen an hour later or two hours later after we eat that meal? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat that meal and I'm going to go into the kitchen here in a couple hours and I'm going to eat a snack because I'm going to be hungry again, right? If our spiritual life is like that and we're, our focus is on the things of this world, we're never going to be filled. We're never going to be happy. If we're more concerned that the thing that we want most in life is to have the most zeros on our bank statement, is piling up money, we will never be happy. There will never be enough money in your bank account to make you happy. There will never be enough enough money in your 401k or your IRA or your kids' college fund. There's never going to be enough in those accounts. To make you happy. Because you know what? What You might set a goal that you want X amount of dollars in your retirement account. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to want more. And one day you're going to spend that money anyway. The person that finds their fulfillment in the things of this world will never be happy. The person that finds their fulfillment in drugs or alcohol is never going to be satisfied. They're going to want more. They're going to want another fix. They're going to want to go to the bar again and get drunk one more time. The person that finds happiness in sexual immorality will never be happy. Their lust will drive them to the next person and the next person and the next person, and it will end up leaving you alone and hurt and heartbroken. Jesus says, why do the things of this world consume you so much? Why do you put those things on the throne of your life? He says, think about the birds of the field. God provides for them. Think about the flowers of the field. God provides for them. Why do you think that God's not going to provide for you? He says that why are you allowing yourself to get so worked up about the things of this world? He says that's what the Gentiles do. That's what the rest of the world does. And he says, be different from the world. Don't be like the people around you. Don't be like the people at work. Don't be like the people at school. Be different from the world. And how are we going to be different from the world? He answers that question in the 33rd verse when he says, seek the kingdom of God first. Put the kingdom of God first. And then all these other things that we spend so much time worrying about and staying up at night worrying about, all those things will be added to us if we'll just do what God says. If you do what God says, you will be provided for. If you do what God says, you'll work and you'll have money. And if you run into some rough times in your life, there will be people around to help you. If you follow God's will for your life, you will have The things that God says that you will. His promises will be kept. The problem, like we've mentioned, is that too many of us put our pursuit of the of the kingdom of God not first and and many times not second or third or fourth or fifth. If you look at that chart that we had, we put our pursuit of God in the nineteen minutes a day category. Our relationship with God is more than a part time pursuit but too often we fit God in our lives where we can. We give him the leftovers and not the first fruits. The problem is, is that we have our priorities all out of whack. All too often we put ourselves as the big thing on top of our lives and and, and we dedicate most of our lives to ourselves. And if after we've done what we want to do and done with our time and our money, we might give a little bit to our family and friends, and then what's what's left, we give to God. And that creates a very unstable foundation for our lives. And all too often, our priorities are completely flipped to where they should be. Instead of God being on the the, 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 the base, the foundation of our lives, it's flipped. Instead, our priorities should be like this, where God is the foundation of our lives, and then we look to serve others and serve those people around us, and then we prioritize ourselves after God, after our family, not before Him. All too often, we try to squeeze God in an hour or two a week instead of letting Him rule our lives. And when we do that, our lives come crashing down. At the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about a parable where two men built their houses on two different foundations and one built his house on sand and his house came crashing down. And he talks about the other man who builds his house upon a rock and his life, and his house, and his home, survives the storms of life. Where are you placing your priorities? Where are you placing your relationship with God? Is it the foundation of your life? Or are you giving Him the leftovers? Where do you spend your resources? Where do you spend your time, your money? On God or on heavenly things? Where do you focus your spiritual eyes on? On Jesus or on the dark things of life? Who do you serve? Your God or yourself? Do you seek the kingdom of God first? What is the condition of your heart? What we've talked about this morning, the text that we've read, and the things that we've talked about should tell you a good indi- indication of the condition of your heart. And perhaps as you, as you have looked into the mirror of Scripture this morning, you see that the condition of your heart is not where it should be. And you'd like the prayers of the church, we'd be happy to do that with you and for you this morning. Perhaps you've never allowed yourself to bow before God and, and surrendered your heart to God, and you'd like to do that this morning and submit to God in baptism. We'd be happy to do that with you and for you also. If there's anything we can do for you, please come as we stand and as we sing.